Welcome to episode 22 of Cyberbytes the Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Cooper, co-founder of Aspron Search. Today's guest, we have Thomas Pace, CEO and co-founder at NetRise. Tom's passion for cybersecurity oozes out in this episode. Having identified a better way to do some of the manual tasks whilst he worked at Silence, he decided to found NetRise and he hasn't looked back since. How are you, brother? Doing great, sir. Good to see you. Happy to be yeah, here. Yeah, likewise. Looking well, mate. Looking well. Where uh, where are you at the moment? Is that the home office? This is the this is the NetRise corporate headquarters, brother. <laughs> uh, I love it. Yeah, it's 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 massive, as you can tell. Um, but yeah, we're in uh, incredibly hot Austin, Texas, right now. Everybody's complaining about the heat. I'm not complaining about the heat because I am in my house 18 hours a day, so I wouldn't know. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Rumor has it it's hot outside. <laughs> well, mate, imagine being in the UK. We um we're complaining about it getting to like 20, 20 degrees. So it's uh, it's incredible. Guys, with your air conditioning is, is crazy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but no, great. Thanks for coming on, uh, Tom. We're um I'm really excited about this one. There's a few topics that we've sort of got ready to, to talk about. But with all my guests, what we do is go back to where it all began and uh, how first you got into security to all the way of landing that or setting up NetRise. Where did it all start, yeah. brother? Well, you know, um, I started off as a computer science major uh, in 2003. Um, and uh, I was a computer science and criminology major because cybersecurity programs didn't exist back then. Uh, so that was the closest thing I could kind of put together at the time. Uh, but I dropped out <clears throat> after a year and uh, enlisted in the Marine Corps. Okay. Um, uh, join the infantry, which had nothing to do with cybersecurity whatsoever. Um, so I took a just a little deviation of my life path there for around four years. Got two paid vacations to the Middle East, which was very nice. Um, you know, all you could eat, all you could eat, all you could drink. Um, and uh, yeah, so got done with that, and then went back to school. Worked at a bank for a while doing security engineering and incident response. Then I. Worked at the Department of Energy doing industrial control system security, which is where like the initial inspiration came from for, for what we're doing here at NetRise now. Um, and then uh, I left there and went to go work for uh, Silence, where that's where I took the problem that I identified at DOE, and that really got um, amplified while I was at Silence. We were basically doing... <clears throat> what we're doing now at NetRise in a totally manual way at Silence uh, from a consulting perspective. So, you know, here's a firmware image, here's a car, here's a medical device, here's a whatever. Tell me about all of the various vulnerabilities and risks associated with this thing um, and how we can remediate them to, you know, create the most secure product possible. So <clears throat> that's kind of the the very high level um mm. path how we got here happy to drill into any of those in more detail as you yeah, yeah. Like. so you you naturally see so when you was in the military first of all so that was a non-cyber role did you say how did it go into security engineering so you sort of just casually you just sort of shifted how did that happen was you interested in computers yeah. from day or i i always i'm one of those kind of lucky people um i always pretty much knew what i wanted to do um i i was just always super interested in cybersecurity stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I I liked the idea of knowing things that 
everyone else couldn't know. Um, and I like the idea of, you know, hey, here are these like rules and barriers that everyone has to follow unless you know how to not follow them. Um, like that was just attractive to me. And so the Marine Corps thing was just, I, I kind of always wanted to join the military and I probably would have if I just stayed in college the first time and then just like probably got commissioned as an officer or something. But uh, the wars were just ki like kicking off and I was, I didn't want to be, everyone always like takes this the wrong way kind of, but I didn't want to be one of those people 40 years later who was like, oh, I didn't join the wars because I was in college. And it's like, college is always going to be there. <laughs> like college yeah. isn't going anywhere. Yeah. Um, so I'm a big believer. Um, what's his name? Bill Perkins, I think. Uh, who's like a really famous hedge fund guy. He just wrote a book that's amazing. And okay. I really subscribe to this thing in life, which is do the things that you can only do now, now, yeah. right? Like if you want to be a competitive go-kart racer, like I'm probably past that part in my life at this point. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? If I want to be like an ultra marathon runner, like I can probably still do it, but probably not. Yeah. Probably wouldn't be great at it. So, you know, to me, it was like, I can always go to, I can always go back to college, but I can't always, it's probably gonna be harder for me to enlist in the Marine Corps uh, as an infantryman yeah. five years now, you know? So I did it then um, before like life got in the way. So, and I, I always knew I was only going to do it for four years. So uh, that's what I did. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah sick. So you went into a few security different roles and then you identified a problem, which is the first thing you need to do when starting a startup. Um, yep. How did then NetRise come about being formed? Because I know you did start or co-founded with, with somebody else. Did you know them at your previous place as well? Or? Yeah, yeah. So I met Mike at Silence. Um, okay. By pure coincidence, he's also a former Marine. Um, oh really <laughs> yeah. yeah nice yeah so he uh he was in cyber command and so his his marine corps experience was directly related to cyber yeah. uh whereas mine was not um so we are we are uh an absolutely perfect team i mean we are just two totally opposite humans um and that that cannot be a bigger compliment to both of us <laughs> like i can't i can't do his job and he can't do mine um and it's it's awesome it's uh it's just i wouldn't have it any other way i think we did a really good job of having very complimentary co-founders um and so yeah you know um him and i just kind of hit it off and um he's significantly smarter than me so it was really just a matter of identifying a problem space that we thought we would be able to execute something on you know relatively quickly um i mean these things you can't take 10 years to build yeah. a solution right so when you say relatively quickly you're talking about you know six to 12 months have something and we did um so yeah that was uh that was you know having a great co-founder i think is really important some people can do it by themselves but man it's a lot harder uh, but uh yeah he's uh he, he's an absolute stud so really excited yeah, love that i completely agree about finding someone that you complement well with and probably being completely opposite is the best way me and ollie at are least, exactly the same at least for your first one mm -hmm. right so like maybe i go start another company right and i don't know or maybe mike does and mike's like hey i i'm gonna do this one by myself like i can get to this point on my own and maybe he has to hire a ceo at some point yeah but 
he gets to maintain a lot more equity. Like there's, you know, yeah, I, yeah, I different components. Yeah, you can you can you can kind of do it a number of different ways. But um, you know, here's hoping this is our yeah man, our first and last. Well, look, it looks like you're having a lot of fun at the moment. I saw you had a, a recent seed raise, of, I think another eight million. You've obviously hired aggressively recently when the market, as you as you well know. You're, you're probably one of the people I see that's just hired like 10 folks in one month and everyone oh. else is laying off. So, uh, yeah, you want to talk about people ask me why I, don't, why I have a hard time sleeping. You just laid it out perfectly. <laughs> um, so we had a board meeting last week and um, went great. Everyone's happy. Hitting numbers, adding new logos. ARR is going up and to the right, which is I know lots of companies where it's not going anywhere or it's mm. going down because they're churning customers. So just, just those step statements alone are, are very net positives. Um, but I had a slide that literally said exactly what you just laid out. Like I have a slide that says what keeps me up at night and what keeps me up at night is the fact that companies in very um, like attractive markets, with very strong executive teams and very strong backers from a venture capital perspective are doing layoffs. Mm. And here I am <laughs> here I am hiring eight people in six weeks. Yeah. And, um, you know, you, you, you have to execute when it's your time to execute. Right. Uh, and so we, we, we are seeing traction. We're seeing, so, we're seeing customers, we're seeing a need for what we're doing. Mm. And you just have to imagine, like this thing has to turn around, right? I mean, if it doesn't, if it doesn't, we're, we're all just out of luck. So, you know what I mean? So what do we really do by not hiring these people? We just like exist in yes. this like purgatory for an extra six to 12 months where, where we're not able to build features as fast. We're not able to get our message and name out in the market. We're not able to execute on sales because we can't hire enough people to do it. So it's like, you know, but if we can keep closing deals in this market, which we are, as soon as this thing, whatever this thing is that's happening, um, boy, oh boy, are we going to be in a really strong position? Uh, I'm a really big believer. The data is very clear that companies that survive you know, these recessions or this whatever thing, economic downturn, whatever people, whatever stupid set of words people want to uh, assign to it. Um, in, in our position, if we come out of this thing the right way and all that's pointing that we are, that should be a really advantageous position for us to operate in. So. Yeah, 100%. Amen to that. With, up. Yeah, yeah. With, with, with what, you're, what you guys are doing and the, within the whole firmware security space. So we, we've had a couple of uh, projects which are very embedded security focus, like building vehicle security engineering teams for autonomous vehicles. And I then learned about firmware security, which is like a niche within a niche within another niche. There aren't many people doing it, which is really, which is positive, I guess, for you guys. Um, but can you just tell the audience a little bit about firm, firmware security, what exactly it is and what you guys are doing at NetRise to combat the, the problem yeah so yeah i mean the number of companies that are even claiming to do what we do in the world that have any kind of reasonable technical capability that we would even 
entertain as a competitor is probably like four to five, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like maybe. Yeah. You have a bunch of like small shops that are doing this and that, but it's like they're never going to be able to sell to like an enterprise customer. It's just not going to happen. Um, <clears throat> so you're right about like the number of companies operating in this space. Um, so before I jump into the firm where I do want to point out something, which is we started this company um, with the objective of focusing on, you know, providing visibility and risk identification to uh, um, to devices that, and the only way to do that is by doing firmware analysis. And that is a very big, like, technical moat for us as we expand our platform's capabilities to address things like containers and windows and really any artifact that one can imagine that needs to be assessed and um, um, identified from a risk perspective across the entire software supply chain. Mm-hmm. You know, I always make the comment or joke that firmware is just software with an F, um, which is true. Yeah. So, um, in terms of, you know, the challenges that exist with firmware, the problem is all of the problems are on the front end. Um, very few of those problems are like over here. Cause once you get over here, this is all like normal visibility risk identification stuff. How do you, how do you correlate vulnerabilities? How do you break credentials? How do you figure out if this private keys a problem? Like blah, blah, blah. These are all problems that are relatively, you know, well understood and identified all the or solved over here is where you have the problems. How do you get your hands on all the firmware? How do you extract uh, a set of artifacts or a file system from a firmware image that is something worth or even possible to analyze? Um, how do you navigate around, um, you know, proprietary compression formats and encryption and um, a, a proprietary binary format you'd have never ran into? So like, those are like big problems that just people look at the space and go, <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's so heterogeneous. Um, you know, you have so many random devices and one-offs uh, that that coming at this thing and having a truly generalized approach to, to be able to solve any of those things quickly is really, really hard, um, which is why we decided to do it, right? Like, I totally understand when people look at this problem space and go like, no thanks. Um, that is, we looked at the problem space and literally said, that's exactly what we want. Um, we're not, we weren't interested in building like a better mousetrap for something that already exists and then go and compete with like the Palo Altos and the CrowdStrike, whoever's already out there. Like, you know, I, I, that, that seemed, I wasn't just not interested in doing that. Um, I was way more interested in having a different set of problems, which is awareness that this problem exists, um, education of the market, you know, blah, blah, blah. Those things were, that was a much more interesting set of problems to me than, than the alternative. Yeah, so. yeah. It's the, um, so the, the executive order, I think it was a couple of Fridays ago, officially has been set, right? That's, I guess, benefited you guys a lot as companies are now needing to, is it a test? Is that the word to use? A software test? Is that right? Yeah, software attestation. Yeah, attestation. Uh, Yeah, so that executive order is interesting. Um, There's a lot to unpack there. I could spend an hour just talking about that. Uh, But 
We've only got 20 minutes of this episode, so we'll, we'll keep it to an elevator pitch. <laughs> it was positive and not positive at the same time. Um, they basically are delaying uh, the software attestation requirements, uh, which, you know, I have strong opinions about, as I'm sure you can imagine. Um, but here's the thing. We don't need an executive order to tell us um, that that it's a good idea to have a list of software that's running on all of the devices that are, you know, serving critical infrastructure needs. Like, we don't need the president to be like, you know what, guys, we think you should install a firewall. Like, that's not, that's not, that's insane, you know? And so it's really fascinating to me that people are putting so much emphasis on like some third party uh, that that's the reason we should do things the right way. It just makes no sense to me. And frankly, the market has already kind of adopted, you know, S-bombs. Now, in some areas, much more than others, obviously, it's still like a new solution, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, nonetheless, um, having support from the federal government is obviously a positive thing. Uh, and I expect, you know, kind of things to turn around. But that's 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 kind of that. As, as a yeah, yeah. How, um, how are people going to be able to, to manage the whole supply chain thing? Because there's obviously a lot of challenges in itself around that what, what what do you think around that i mean the first step is always getting visibility that's the first step it has to be the first step uh mm -hmm. you know there's companies coming at it from a different angle like okay i i i understand that i i just don't think that makes sense um but this is a the way i really use the analogy of edr if you look at early EDR solutions, um, they gave you more data and more visibility than anyone could do anything with, right? You need to have like a pretty high bar of a skill set to understand like what you were looking at. That's that we're not like, it's not a perfect analogy because there's no such thing, but um, that's kind of where I see us at. You know, we're giving you all this data that you've never really had or seen before. And are you using it all day, every day? Of course not. Um, however, when you have to answer a question, th this is the only kind of solution that can answer it for these particular kinds of problems. Like, hey, is Log4j on my security camera or my routers or my printers or my badge card readers or my ICS and OT devices? Like, how do you know? The answer is you don't. Um, you don't know because the device manufacturers aren't telling you because they have the same problem. Um, yeah. so, you know, uh, but I think what's, I think here's what, here's what everybody knows that everybody refuses to admit. The reason this isn't being adopted in the way as fast as, I mean, as fast as I want it to be, but fast enough for the time being is because everybody knows what they're going to see and it's not great. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so, you know, it, it's no, it's no secret why people don't want to uh, make their tax returns public or like, you know, all, no one wants to do these things because everybody knows what you're going to find. Um, and that is, that is very, very true here. That's why you have this lobbying group pushing hard against SBOM in Washington, DC. It's, it's, and like, listen, the great thing about what we are doing though, we don't need your permission. We don't need you. Like we can go get your software and your firmware. We can get our hands on it. And oh, it's encrypted. Oh, great. Well, then we'll decrypt it. Um, so, you know, there's there's all of these um, 
kind of people putting hurdles and obstacles in the way, which, which just tells me one thing that we're doing the right thing. People don't put hurdles and obstacles in your way that are significantly bigger than you, unless you're doing the right thing. Yeah. Agreed. So, so yeah, we're yeah, going to yeah. keep pushing. Nice. Awesome. What's, um, what's next for you guys then? So for NetRise, obviously you've hired a lot. What, what, what are the plans over the next year, two years? And where are you taking this bad boy? Yeah. I mean, so we have Black Hat coming up. I mean, we, we nice. have a, a, bun a bunch of, you know, uh, new features that we'll be announcing, uh, expansion of the platform's capabilities overall. So we'll be doing a lot more stuff with S bombs. We'll be doing a lot more stuff with, from a from a coverage perspective, where we'll be not just doing firmware. We're already not just doing firmware. We're doing a number of other things. So, so yeah, um, you know, it's really just about uh, execution at this point. You know, it, it's it's very strange for me to not be in either like fundraising mode or hiring mode or you know i was on the road like four to five weeks uh last quarter so like the last three to four months have been like the most insane three to four months of my life um in terms of like getting the round done closing the round getting the money in the bank account yeah. uh interviewing hiring onboarding prepping for board meetings rsa like just it's been madness um so for the first time in like over a year, I'm like relatively settled uh, and can only just focus on like doing my job. All those other things are my job too, yeah, yeah. but actually just execution on the yep. business. So very excited about that. Yeah, sick. What, um, wrapping this up, what do you think might be a, a hurdle or a challenge or anything that might hold you back from being able to achieve what you want to? You know, I mean, you have to kind of ignore what's going on in the broader macroeconomic perspective because you just can't do anything about it. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah, for uh, sure. So I think it's just a a willingness for people to adopt a new solution, which is tough. I mean, now you, you can say that that's a harder thing to do when budgets are more constrained. It's just reality, right? Uh, so the challenge we have is proving and highlighting to people that the value that we will generate from our platform will supersede whatever budgetary constraints you may be dealing with. Um, and that's obviously easier said than done, but yeah, that's what we're doing. So, Tom, absolute pleasure having you on, man. We'll uh, we'll definitely get a beer at Black Cat in next month. Yeah, bloody hell, it's rolling around quick. Um, so I'll see you in Vegas and uh, thanks for coming on. All the best to success, man, and uh, I'll see you soon. All right, looking forward to it. Thanks, sir.